I'm Rose Skeeters, host of From Borderline to Beautiful, a show about hope and recovery for BPD. Welcome back to another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. This week, we're going to talk about five ways you can improve your relationship right now. And then next week, I'm going to do an episode a little bit earlier on in the week to talk about ways you can manage the holiday season. Can you believe it? If you celebrate Thanksgiving or just more time with family because you're off for the holidays next week, you probably need a holiday survival packet, especially if you have a big family, just like I grew up with. All right. So I'll release that episode next Monday, even though I usually release episodes on Wednesday. So check it out and look for it. All right. So five ways to improve your relationship right now. I'm sure you have heard people say that good relationships require a lot of hard work, but what does that actually mean, right? We've talked about it a little bit on this podcast, but I want to talk to you about your relationships with people in general. You can apply this to your romantic relationship, relationships with family members, relationships with your kids, with your friends, really anyone that you really love and care about. So what kind of hard work needs to get done to improve your relationship? Isn't it enough to commit to your partner day in and day out? (laughs) Well, the short answer to that is no. In order to have a healthy relationship, we need to be good partners, which means more than just a commitment and a shared life together. So what can we do to improve our relationships today? Okay, number one. You guys know I'm going to say this, right? Tell the truth. There's nothing wrong with a little white lie, Rose, is there? Well, there is. So do you tell your partner that you love her cooking even when it tastes like burnt rubber? (laughs) How about all the times where you said yes when your partner asked if you liked their favorite ugly sweater or no if they looked fat in something when they didn't look their best? Are you the kind of partner who pretends to listen and waits to speak? Or do you tell your partner only what they quote-unquote need to know? I have had clients tell me they lie to their partners to protect them. I had a guy tell me that he went to the bar once a month for lunch with his work buddies, though couldn't tell his wife because that would make her jealous. He claimed to be an honest guy, though lied monthly about hanging out with his friends. My question to him and you is this. If you have nothing to hide, why would you lie? And how is lying protecting your partner if there's no real motivation to lie? So if you want to improve your relationship, stop lying. No lie, big or small, has ever turned out to be a good thing. If you are scared of your partner's reaction when you tell the truth, you may want to have a heart-to-heart with that partner and seek relationship coaching. Lies build resentment and distrust. You can also practice transparency. Be transparent. What does that mean? Transparency means you can see right through the thing, right? Transparency. I can see right through you. I know everything about you. Now, if you are a transparent partner and your partner is transparent to you, then you both can clearly see each other's intentions. You can trust each other's word. And that alone, that practice of transparency will greatly improve your relationship. Listen, guys, 
broken promises, little white lies, indirect communication, and speaking in hyperboles tears down the relationship and makes for a rocky path. Remember this. It may be difficult to be transparent after many years, though it is equally, if not more difficult, to maintain a web of lies, secrecy, and resentment. I challenge you to be someone your partner can rely on and stop lying. All right, number two, manage expectations. People change and grow over time. If you are waiting around for your partner to become the person they were when you first started dating them, you'll be waiting forever. It is an impossible task to ask someone to stay the same over the course of a relationship that goes for family members and children as well. Everyone grows and changes over time. Sameness may be comfortable to you, but it is unrealistic to expect anyone you're in relationship with to maintain the same over time. So what do you do? Make a list. What expectations do you have for your partner? What do you expect out of your wife or husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, whatever? Make a list. Do you expect your husband to take out the trash and keep your gas tank full? Does he know this? How about your wife? Should she keep the house at a certain level of clean or should she cook every day if she is a stay-at-home mom? After you list out your expectations, ask yourself this for every item on your list. Does my partner know that I expect that of them? And then... Is my partner capable of meeting that expectation? Listen, if you expect your wife to clean and cook every day and to make sure your favorite pair of pants is clean, do you ask this of her? Does she even have time in her day to meet those expectations? If you have children and your wife is a stay-at-home mom and not getting all of the chores completed that you expect her to complete, have you talked with her? If your husband never takes out the trash or puts his dirty laundry next to the laundry basket you know, next to the laundry basket and not in it? (laughs) Have you talked with him? Remember this. Expecting someone to do exactly what you want them to do without ever taking into consideration their capabilities and communicating with them is tyrannical. Be a good partner by managing your expectations and communicating directly with your partner. This is very different, difficult for people with borderline personality disorder. For some reason, we love to communicate in circles. We like to make assumptions. So, for example, if you have BPD and you expect your partner to clean and take care of the kids and do the laundry because you had a long day at work, you might not call and ask if she needs help. You might not do any of those things. You might just come home and start being passive aggressive, angry, irritable, annoyed, or even name calling because your expectation wasn't met without ever directly saying, hey babe, could you clean up the house a bit? Do you need help? Is there anything I can do to support you because I have this expectation for you, right? That's the BPD way. So I challenge you to communicate directly. You can Go back there. I did a previous episode on communication and I'll definitely do more episodes on direct communication, but really just use that KISS principle. Keep it short and simple. You can go if you are um, 
somebody who's been in DBT before, you can use your give skill, your dear man skill to communicate whatever it is that you can do to get your point across without too much emotion. Hey, I'm tired today. Can you pick up dinner? That's really all you need to do. Hey, I didn't get to the dishes, but I did do the laundry. Do you mind picking up the slack for the dishes? And then as the partner, you'd hope that that person is going to meet you where you are. So again, remember this, expecting someone to do exactly what you want them to do without ever taking into consideration their capabilities and communicating with them is tyrannical. Be a good partner by managing your expectations and communicating directly with your partner. Number three, choose leadership over tyranny. Do you use sarcasm? Shame, yelling, and indirect communication to get your needs met? Hmm. Sarcasm, shame, yelling, and indirect communication. That's not the BPD mind, right? (laughs) Are you a good leader to your partner when they need guidance, or do you resort to tyranny? Remember, a good leader is trustworthy, determined, influential, empathetic, passionate, and connected. A leader understands and sets boundaries, is responsible, and is humble. A leader takes responsibility for their actions and is able to make choices that make the most sense for the good of the group, not just the individual. So what's a tyrant? A tyrant, in contrast, is also influential but relentless, critical, and demanding. A tyrant is often apathetic towards others and displays arrogance. Tyrants are not concerned with the good of the group. Rather, they are concerned with what is best for themselves and have a selfish worldview. I'm not a tyrant, you're thinking. This is such a strong word. I've even had people email me and say that I'm perpetuating the BPD stigma by saying this. But look, guys, I'm not. And this doesn't even just apply, honestly, to people who have BPD. If you have this expectation in a relationship that's unspoken and then you're relentless, critical and demanding and you don't communicate directly and you display arrogance and selfish behavior, you're being a tyrant as strong of a word as that is. But if you're thinking you're still not convinced and you're thinking there's no way that you could possibly be a tyrant, I just want you to think again. If you have low self-esteem, anxiety, and a need for things to be perfect, you may very well engage in tyrannical behavior. And this doesn't matter if you are male or female or what gender you identify with. Tyranny doesn't equate with gender. Do you ever ask the question, you're going to take out the trash, right? Or you're going to do the dishes, right? You're going to mow the lawn, right? You're going to do the laundry, right? The minute this question is asked, you set the person on the receiving end up to either fall in line with what you want or face some kind of consequence. Instead of asking, will you please take out the trash? You have entered a situation where your goal, the trash going out and your partner doing it, means more to you than your partner. This is tyrannical. So just in case that was kind of fuzzy for you guys, let's do another example. Let's say you like your house to be clean. So you have an expectation that your partner cleans the home regularly since they spend more time at home. 
When the home isn't clean and you've had a decent day, it doesn't really bother you, so you don't say anything at all to your partner. On a bad day, though, and this goes for children as well, you don't say anything to your children on a, on a decent day. But on a bad day, though, it drives you nuts that the house isn't clean or their homework isn't done or their chores aren't done or that they're on video games. So you scream, yell, and threaten that person you're in relationship with when you get home. Maybe you call them lazy or other names and you make them feel bad for not meeting your expectations. Guys, that's not good leadership. Being a good leader is a difficult skill. It takes practice, commitment, dedication, and willingness to fail at first. All things that are on your moral compass, right? Okay, so it may take time for you to develop and enhance your leadership skills, though this time spent will be invaluable to the growth of your relationship. Remember this, the goal of a tyrant is always more important than you and your goal. If your goal trumps everything in front of you, including your partner, the way they think, feel, and perceive the world, their goals, and the goals of your family, it is time to seek guidance to transform tyranny into leadership. Are you currently struggling to stay afloat? Are you looking for more one-on-one support and guidance on your recovery journey? Check out thriveonlinecounseling.com. We offer mindset coaching that will propel your recovery journey forward. We help frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Have phone, video, or text sessions wherever you are. The best part? you can schedule right from our website. Choose the day and time that works best for you. Life can be better. We can help. Make an investment in yourself. You are worth it. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. A fool finds no pleasure in understanding, but delights in airing his own opinions. That's an old proverb that leads us in to tip number four on how to improve your relationships right now. Communicate directly and listen to understand. What's your communication style? Are you direct and to the point? Or do you use indirect communication to express yourself? Do you listen until it's your turn to talk or do you listen to understand? Jay defines indirect communication as when a person chooses to act out what they really mean instead of saying it directly. They act out what they really mean by using voice tone, gestures, facial expressions, and they do this to avoid being directly rejected, to avoid arguments, to be in the safe zone, and ultimately to save face, self-preservation, right? This cycle has to end as it can and will end a relationship. Communication breaks down when what we hear are our own assumptions and insecurities projected onto the words of someone else. Again, 
Communication breaks down when what we hear are our own assumptions and insecurities projected onto the words of someone else. Direct communication and active listening will repair these breakdowns in communication. Listen to your partner by taking out any assumptions you may have when they are talking so that you can develop empathy for them and see the world from their perspective. And again, this goes for all relationships. I know I'm talking primarily about romantic relationships, but think about how that would be in terms of connecting with your child, with your sister, brother, family member, friend. Listen to people. Take out assumptions you have when they're talking so that you can see where they're coming from, how they see the world, so that you can have real empathy for them, not just emotion for them. Jay and I talk a lot about communication in our work because it is a key component to having healthy, connected relationships. It is important to change from an indirect to a direct style of communication Saying exactly what you think and feel, telling the truth in love makes listening and giving feedback much easier. This opens up communication lines to a sharing of ideas, thoughts, and feelings. If you use indirect communication and aren't sure what else you can do to get your needs met and this isn't making a lot of sense to you, definitely reach out and schedule with us today because we can guide you on how to communicate better so that you will feel heard and respected. Remember this, listening communicates love, compassion, and empathy to your partner. Listening also helps you understand each other, connect, and communicate effectively. All right, last tip, number five, be supportive. Okay, so you guys know me, right? You know I can be intense. That's my hyperbolic temperament. It's always going to be there. So I'm going to ask you a question. Would you take a bullet for your partner? (laughs) That's pretty intense. Or is it? Throughout this recording, I have referred to people in relationship as partners. Why? Because the person you're in relationship with, your husband, wife, boyfriend, girlfriend, partner, whatever, if they don't have your back, then your relationship will feel like it's failing because you won't feel supported or safe. Have your partners back. You can start doing that today in this next moment. A partner would have your back always. They would be supportive of you even if your choices didn't align with their preferences. I'm going to say that again. A partner would be supportive of you even if your choices didn't align with their preferences. If you want to improve your relationship, practice having your partner's back. Instead of getting annoyed and angry at them, help them out. Do they forget important dates? Get a calendar to help them remember. Text them reminders the day before and the day of an event. And also, you know, I've said this before to people and a lot of the times the response I have is, but they don't do that for me, but they would do this for me, but it doesn't matter. You have your partner's back and your partner, if you and your partner have a conversation, 
they can come towards you and have your back as well. The first thing you have to do, though, is put aside all of that assumptions, all of those jumping to conclusions, that judgment, that resentment, and just help them. Make your love look like love and help them out before you attack them. Instead of attacking the person, you want to think, attack the problem. Do the person or does the person you're in relationship with love like NASCAR, football, soccer, ballet, theater, basketball? What about disc golf? Any activity that does not interest you in the slightest. Make sure that they have snacks on race, show, or game day. Give them space to watch without pressure of doing something you want to do or need to do. Respect their hobbies and interests just as you would want your hobbies and interests to be respected. Go with them to places you don't want to go because you love them and respect them as people in the world so their happiness means more to you than your temporary discomfort. For some reason, Disney World just popped into my head. Jay and I are not big Disney World people, right? But we did it. We went to Disney World because we have a child and we were able and fortunate enough to do that. Do we, will we go back year in and year out? Not really. Most likely not. Because we're just not theme park people. But we love our son. And so we are going to do things with him that we necessarily wouldn't want to do because we love him and we respect him as a person in the world. (laughs) Disney World, that's my example. Great. (laughs) So anyway, I think you get what I'm saying. And this goes for, you know, everybody out there, right? If... The holidays is something that you hate, but your partner loves the holidays. You refuse to help them put up the tree. You refuse to, you know, help them cook Thanksgiving dinner or, you know, the whole time you're at the, you're celebrating the holiday that you celebrate. You're in the corner with your head down because you don't have family and your family doesn't support you. I mean, my goodness, don't make everything about you. Do things that your partner wants to do and loves to do because you enjoy your partner and respect them so much that you want to see them light up during those activities. What if your partner hates being sick? Do they get kind of whiny when they're sick? I used to be like that. Kind of whiny, especially us with BPD. We don't like being uncomfortable. Okay. Well, do you tell them, shut up, stop being so whiny, get over it. You don't take care of me when I'm sick. Or... You think you can turn towards them and have their back. Get them some vitamin C packs, some cough drops. Plan to take care of dinner, dishes, no matter how busy you are. Do the nightly routine on their behalf so they can rest. Do they have a big meeting tomorrow? Make sure their favorite pants are clean and ready to go and ask if there is anything else you can do to help them. Can you offer an early night? Can you take over with the kids? Can you take the dog out just this time? Remember this, guys. Having your partner's back is key to developing trust and emotional safety in a relationship. If the things I listed above seem too over the top and inconvenient for you, it's time to reevaluate things, right? If the things I listed are just too much, reevaluate it. What's going on? Maybe you like the idea of a relationship, but you're not really willing to do the work that goes into building a great one. And that's okay. Because telling your truth 
telling yourself the truth, excuse me, will go a long way. I was diagnosed with BPD a few years ago at age 45, and I believe my older sister has it as well. We've never been close. She's bullied me throughout my childhood, and in adulthood, every interaction with her triggered me to the max. After she behaved badly at my wedding, I cut her out of my life for four years. During that time, I did personal work that helped me find some compassion and forgiveness for her. I reached out to her again, and she said she never wanted to speak to me. I persisted and maintained strained communication with her. Then she attempted suicide. I called her afterwards at the institution she'd been committed to, and she screamed at me that it was my fault. I haven't called her since then, but I keep up with her intermittently through text. She often says she can't wait for life to be over, how she's worn out, how she hates her job, etc. I try to stay positive and sometimes recommend things that have helped me, but she isn't interested in listening to me or trying to get better. What advice can you give me? Thank you so much for your question, Rebecca. I actually have Jay here, and we're going to answer this Q&A together. Hey, Jay, welcome back to the show. Thank you very much for having me. It is my pleasure. (laughs) All right. So I will have Jay start in on some advice for you, Rebecca. And then if I have anything to add, I will add it. Here you go. Well, my advice would be, uh, it's probably going to be a little long-winded, so bear with me. Um, You know, the dynamics of our our sibling um, relationship has been established a long, long time ago and uh, nurtured by how our parents allowed us to interact within our home. Um, So the type of communication, the type of relationship that you currently have with your siblings may be, you know, from, you know, the way that you were raised uh, together. And then obviously you guys have set out in different lives and different paths and that's your only form of communication. Um, you can restart that anytime you want to, but you know, as of right now, um, you know, I would think of the alliance that you have with her. Um, if if you have the type of alliance with her that you want to uh, keep her, you know, in your life, um, leave the light on for her. you know. My my metaphor for that is, you know, if she were to you know, be at your house to stay the evening or stay the night or whatever. Um, And, you know, you guys have a falling out or a fight or something like that. And she leaves and, you know, you can always just, uh, you know, if if you really love her and you want to maintain that, that alliance, um, you know, metaphorically, you could reach out to her and let her know, listen, um, I know you're mad at me, but it doesn't matter to me because I love you. You're my sister. And, uh, you know, the, the key is under the rock. Uh, come home whenever you're ready to. And I, I'm ready for you to, to come home. Um, because what that does is it, it, it allows you to be genuine. You know, if you truly love your sister and you truly want this relationship to be uh, better or, or, you know, at least maintained, um, on your end, it has to be genuine uh, behavior. And, you know, if she's blaming you for her uh, self-destructive behavior, if you love her enough, you 
actually listen to her and you think about, you know, how did I contribute to her self-destructive behavior, which, you know, unfortunately was attempted suicide, what was my contribution to that? Um, Now, obviously, it is not completely your fault. No way. She's made a lot of choices on her end to get her to that point. Um, But you may have had a contribution to it. You don't know. Uh, It just, at least you need to acknowledge that um, if she's reaching out to you and she's blaming you, me, myself, I'm at least going to take a step back and be like, okay, she's blaming me. What, what sort of contribution did I play into this self-destructive behavior? Um, because even if I don't necessarily think that I did, maybe I did, you know, and maybe uh, it's something that if I acknowledged it to her, that maybe I could make amends with her. Um, but no matter what, um, I'm going to leave the door open on my end and, you know, I'm hoping that she walks through that door and we can maintain this, uh, sibling relationship. Um, I'm always going to leave that door open. I'm going to leave the light on for her so that she always knows that she's welcome back. Um, but I'm also going to give her the choice to never come back and I'm going to be okay with that because I know that I have genuine feelings towards her and, uh, you know, I want her to come back, but it's not up to me. It's up to her ultimately. So sorry if that was uh, long-winded or, you know, a lot of metaphors, uh, but that's my take on that sort of a, a situation. Awesome. I love that, actually. So you're, you know, saying to lead with love, right? And these are things that I talk a lot about on the podcast. And I love this question that was posed because it's a question that I'm asked very often, like, you know, what to do, what do I do if my family member acts this way towards me? Well, you know, it's always going to be, the answer is really always going to be lead with love. If you choose to be in relationship with this person, then you might want to think like Jay said, um, you said, look, if, if she thinks, if her sister thinks that she contributed towards her suicide attempt or her destructive behaviors, then you should kind of look at whether or not you actually did. And regardless of whether or not you did or not, she believes that. So you might, you, you might go far in this relationship by meeting her where she is, taking a look, from, look at the world from her point of view and validating her point of view. It might be hyperbolic. It may not be true, but it, it lead with love and letting go of that resentment and letting go of that pain that you feel and choosing forgiveness, even though it's a difficult path and leaving that light on, those things are going to go far. Remember, you can't control other people's choices. That is not something that is within our locus of control, even though we may want to. So meeting someone where they are, leading with love and choosing forgiveness, looking at what they're capable of, and just waiting for them to come to you is sometimes the only thing that we can do. Did you want to say something else? Sure. Here. Um, And I was just going to say, just because that is the way that you guys were, you know, sort of brought up to interact with one another. It doesn't mean that it can't be changed. You can start new patterns of relationship uh, or new communication patterns anytime you really want to. 
but it really takes a genuine approach, you know, thinking, what do I want from this person? You know, if this is my sister and I, I think of my own sisters, man, I love each and every one of them to death. Same thing with my brothers, each and every one of them to death. Now we all have our own issues and we all have our own journeys. Um, and you know, we've all had our own, uh, sort of ways of growing up. Um, but I don't care. And I know that some of my brothers and sisters may, uh, get mad at me or annoyed with me or whatever. Um, and I'm going to acknowledge that and I'm going to let them know, look, you know what, you're right. I'm sorry about that. I did not mean to, that's not what I, how I was trying to come across or whatever. Uh, because I know the value of the alliance that I have with them and I'm not going to put uh, too much value on the argument or the fight. Um, because if I look at the relationship as a whole, um, that is way more valuable than this one interaction that, uh, you know, we maybe have, uh, have gotten into an argument over something. That argument, I'm not going to put a ton of value on because there's no way that it will equal the value of how much I care about them. You know, so keep in perspective, you know, if you place a value on an interaction with your sister, compare that to the value of how much you love your sister or, or what your sister actually means to you. And then and try that for a new communication uh, method to just say, look, you know, I just love you and we are going to have our fights and our bickering, um, but that will never stop me from loving you as my sister. And uh, so, you know, I, I kind of hope that helps. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Make, you're saying, make the love that you have for your sister more or the love that you have for the person you're in relationship with bigger and more than these microaggressions or problems that happen. So instead of attacking the person, attack the problem. All right. Well, thank you so much for your question, Rebecca, and we'll see you again next week. Remember, everybody, I had said this earlier in the podcast, but next week's episode will be a holiday-specific episode for all those celebrating Thanksgiving in the United States or whatever other holiday you're celebrating internationally or just taking time off, and I'll be releasing that on Monday. Okay, thanks for listening. That was from Borderline and Beautiful, a production of Thrive Mind Body LLC, online coaching that helps frustrated individuals, resentful couples, and disconnected families navigate through tough times. Visit us on the web at thriveonlinecounseling.com. If you like this show, remember, you can hear it on Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Pocket Casts or any app that you use to listen to podcasts. Subscribe to get a new episode every Monday. If you want to get in touch, you can leave me a voice message. Some of you had some comments and questions from the last episodes, and I'd love to hear whatever questions you have, too. Just download the Anchor mobile app, search for From Borderline to Beautiful, and tap the message button to send me a voice message. We'll have all those links in the show description. Okay, we made it. Thanks again for listening. I'm Rose Skeeters, and I'll be back next week with another episode of From Borderline to Beautiful. Talk to you then.